What is it that you fight for? What's your mission in your, your, uh, your business? I really want to create a better dynamic. And I believe that my influence in doing that is my ability to help people, companies like owners and leadership teams have a better life really, because they have someone else helping them with this process and they can go home and they can breathe at the end of the day and they can actually have the time to spend with their family and they're not worried about these things. On the candidate side, it's the same thing. I wanna put people in good organizations that have the right values and they have the right growth and are taking the bus the right way. And I want to bring the people that want that and are where they're supposed to be. I want to create that value for them because all of it is just, it really feels good to help people because work is so important. What we do is so important. We're there a lot. It affects our mental health. It affects everything. Being yeah. able to create an environment or a way of doing it that's very seamless and easy and very honest and just upfront. It's just something that I feel like is needed in our world, honestly. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name's Richard Matthews. Today I have the pleasure of having Suman Cherry online. Suman, are you there? I'm right here. Thanks awesome. For so, glad to, uh, so glad to have you on here. And I guess what I wanted to start off with before we get too far into anything is why don't you tell me a little bit about, um, about who you are and what you're known for, and then we'll dive into, uh, dive into your bio a little bit and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So it's always like a difficult question, right? Like, who am I, right? Um, so I guess professionally, I mean, I'm I'm a recruiter. I've I've been in recruiting for like 20 years, and I've done a lot of recruiting on all aspects of recruiting, and placed a lot of different people, worked a lot of different companies, all about culture and understanding the best process, right? Um, on a personal level, um, I have a child. I have one daughter. She's almost 11, and she's like, she's the main show. Like she's the main event, you know, in our house. Like I think that's how it is when you have like one child. Um, I've been I've been with my husband for a long time and my husband and I my husband has a uh, business as well so we're both like very entrepreneur based and we're just um, I'm someone who just like really likes to expand and grow and be challenged and all the things that come with it so that's kind of who yeah, I am I the, my uh, my my wife and I've been married we'll be 15 years in about 20 days which is cool um, oh. And we got four kids. So I've got my oldest is 13 and my youngest is four. So we got them all across the board. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's super fun. And yeah, my uh, um, I, I run the company. My wife runs the house. So which is great because I wouldn't be able to run the company if she wasn't running. me. <laughs> right. No, I understand. <laughs> four sure. kids and homeschooling and traveling and all the stuff that we do. It's crazy. Yeah. So um, let me just run through your bio real quick so people know who you are, and then uh, we'll dive into your story and uh, and awesome. go from there. So Subin has over 20 years of experience in the recruiting world, 
She's honed her ability to quickly grasp the needs of both her clients and candidates. As a matchmaker at heart, she takes pride in placing um, in over 500 employees in interested with medical, oil, gas, construction, real estate. She understands the struggles companies face to find the right match and is committed to creating healthy and easy experience for all involved. And I have to tell you, as someone who has just hired my 13th employee um, just this last week, um, getting the right people is such a key aspect of running a successful company that um, I've never worked with the recruiter. And I'm curious to know what your thought is before we even get into your story, the difference between hiring on your own and using a recruiter to find the right person. Like wh why would, why would someone like me who hires to talent regularly come to you? So, you know, it's interesting this conversation because I actually had another podcast and we had the same conversation and this is something that he was talking about with his clients. It's about time, right? It's about how much time do you have when you own a business or you're a leader of a business, you have a lot of responsibilities in that role with the existing yeah. people you have in your the process piece and all of it, right? Like it all stops at you when you're the CEO of a business, you know, <laughs> or the president Rich. or the partner. And, and yeah, the, the people that come on board your bus, cause you're driving the bus, right? And you need those top, those right people to be on that bus with you because that's gonna decide where your bus is gonna go. But the challenge is if you do it on your own, yeah, you definitely can. But the, the challenge is, is how much time do you really have to dedicate to the process itself, right? It's not like the process itself is necessarily hard. It's time consuming. Sorting through yeah, hundreds of resumes is time consuming. Talking to multiple people is time consuming. Setting up interviews is time consuming. Evaluating candidates who maybe didn't fit every single box and then managing all the other things. I mean, I have clients say to me like, literally, I can actually like lay in bed and not worry about this. Like, it's something I worry about, you know, as an owner of a business. Like, what if I can't find this person? What if I can't fulfill this job? Like all of us have, right? And and having this external place, whether you work with me or an external recruiter, it gives you a, more of a safety and it allows you to have more time to work on the things that you really want to work on your business. Because most people don't even like recruiting. People ask me all the time, like, I can't, I would hate your job. Like, I can't believe you do that for a lot. Like, this is your career. And I'm like, yeah, but like, this is what is, I'm my specialized in. This is what I live. So very different experience for me than if I'm doing 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 different things and trying to squeeze in an interview, you know, trying to squeeze yeah. in that call. So it's a very different place. So that, that's what it's I would say. Different. Yeah, it's a different, it's a different world for sure. And I know like my, my experience, I've got, I've got a pretty, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to call it robust because it's probably not as robust as your process, but I have like, I have a process we follow. And, you know, when we looking to hire someone for a role, we hi we generally hire three people for the same role and um, we'll have them complete all of the same tasks and see how they're like doing. There's a lot of work that goes into managing three people through the hiring process um, to decide who who's going to be the best fit for culture and all sorts of other things. And it would be um, amazing to have someone else do that for you. <laughs> well, and also, I think we you know, what we bring as well is we don't have. Um, our mo model's different and I, we don't have to go into all the details, but we're not attached to the candidates because we do everything on an hourly consultative model. So we come in as an extension of your team. So we're very consultative based, like we're understanding really who you are as a culture, who are the players and what types of people are going to fit in, but we're not attached to the whole process. So we can give very unbiased opinions or, you know, we're very direct with our approach. It's a yeah. lot of transparency, honesty. And, um, that's, and that's a very important piece of it. 
So the thing, the thing that sticks out to me, and this is because one of my personal goals is, um, and I, this might come across morbid, but it's one of the things I always think about is we've got, um, we've got a, a larger company now, right? We got like 13 people and like 30 family members that rely on the income that our, our business produces. Right. And so I always look at my business like, Hey, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, how does it continue? Right. How do all those people continue to get fed? How do all of our clients continue to get served? Not that I plan on getting hit by a bus anytime soon, not in my plans, but <laughs> I want right. my business to survive. You know, maybe I break my leg and can't work for a couple of weeks, right? Those kind of things. I need, I need to know that everything gets, um, gets taken care of. And one of my current goals is I've got a list of things that I'm like, these are the things that I'm responsible for all the time. And one of those is hiring, right? And I'm like, I don't have really good systems in place that someone else can be taking care of that for me. And I'm no, I like, I don't have a sellable business. I don't have a protected business. I don't have a business that is where it needs to be until each of those processes to include hiring, payroll, sales. Like there's several things that as a CEO, you're like, I, and we're in the building phase, right? Of like, right. we've got our yeah. operations taken care of. We've got uh, our, our, uh, um, our, we've got most of our things that we do for delivery taken care of and we're starting to work on, okay, what are the next systems we need to put in place so the business is not Richard's business. It is right. its own entity exactly. that thrives exactly. on it. And so hiring for me, and it's kind of interesting to have be in this conversation, was I literally just put it down on my list the other day with my operations manager. I was like, which systems do we need to start focusing on next? And hiring was at the top of the list because I was like, I can't be in charge of that forever. Um, no. So that's where like you would come in and, yeah. and I'll take a bit that part yeah and i think you know i don't i think that the 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 thing is recruiting is your competitive edge as a client as i mean as a company as well your ability to attract good people or the right people is going to set you apart from your competitors as well that is a very important piece because when you're going out to market or when an owner is coming out to market or a smaller business for instance they're going to have limitations on how much they're going to spend as much as how much time they're going to really source their, how long those conversations are going to be. The whole process is going to get shortened, right? But when you have a competitive edge, like a recruiting agency helping you, it allows you to draw a larger net because that's what you ultimately want. You want, like I tell my clients, like my goal isn't necessarily to find the right person for you because you might get an internal referral. You might get someone else. My goal is to find, provide you really strong candidates where you're like, I don't know which best person to choose out of the bunch, right? Versus, I guess I'm going to choose this person because they're the best <laughs> the group I have. <laughs> and that's really what ends up happening a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. I get I that. Like yeah, it, makes, you know, it makes a lot of sense too. And I know, like for, for me, one of the things that we talk a lot about in our company is how important the company culture is. And how important that is to like creating, um, it, it's, it's its own competitive advantage, right? Where, you know, uh, I had a, a friend of mine, I was talking about, talking about this recently. I was like, you know, my, my favorite like flex in business is not how much revenue we make or how many clients we serve or any of those things. It's how long our employees stay with us and how excited they are to be a part of our team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so like my longest standing employees, but it's been with us for almost like 13 years, like on part time project stuff all the way up till, till now. And when we were finally able to offer him full time work, he was like, fuck, yeah, please let me come. <laughs> I'd love to work with you um, full time. And that's where that's the way I, I want to run my company. So, um, you know, it, the human aspect can't be ignored for building your company, building your systems. No, and the thing is, is a lot of times the clients I work with, I work with 
and we're very specific on who we work with too, because we really want to work with those companies that have the core values, but don't just live it from a stick piece of paper on the board, but actually live it in their everyday life in the way they are leaders and the way they treat the people and even really who they are, right? Our values extend outside of our work environment, right? It all extends into our life, right? So when we are talking to clients, the challenge is, is that people don't even know that this amazing company has a position open. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, these large companies dominate things. They have a lot of money for advertising and marketing and all these things. And everyone has this perception of them. And then people go work for them. And it's just they're treated like, you know, that they're just yeah. robots or, oh, I'm sorry. Or they get they get uh, they get laid off, but they don't even know. And they show up to go into work and, you know, <laughs> oh, no. by that's the way, you don't have a job anymore. I mean, that's what they did, right? Yeah. Isn't that what Google did? Like. Yeah, I, I heard that. My, uh, <laughs> I have this, uh, this concept I'm working on um, that I, I've named now, but I don't have all the pieces like worked out yet, but I'm calling it family first entrepreneurship. Um, and the idea is, you know, ever since the pandemic, but even if it's a few years before that, since when we actually started building our company, the remote work has really changed the way companies can exist today. Not every company, right? You, know, you talk about oil and gas. Someone probably needs to be touching things there. Right. But for for a lot of companies, a lot of um, especially like we're in the service based business where right. we don't have we don't have location um, like on location work getting done. We can be a hundred percent remote. Yeah. Um, and we're not the only company like that. There's a lot of us around. Um, right. So it's a large segment of the market. And there's a new model for work. And one of the things that I've noticed is that your younger generation, so Gen X, millennials, Gen Z in particular, um, they don't put their finances, like how much they're getting paid at the top of their priority list. Um, it's actually number three. And like looking into the research on it, it's flexibility first, impact second, and income third. And right. so we started, I started looking at in our company, how do we build our company around that sort of ethos that like every one of my staff members knows like, your first priority should be go to your kid's baseball game, not show up at work today, right? And how do we build a company that, that not just allows for that, but thrives with that being the, uh, the environment? And my, uh, my goal is to be successful enough that model, that model over the course of the next several years that, uh, that other companies want to emulate it. But that's, that's sort of my, uh, my, my ethos on, on how, how we're trying to recruit and build our own, our own culture. And, and I agree with you completely. Like something shifted after COVID and I'm seeing it even with people who are, you know, outside of the, the Jane Z years and the, the mm -hmm. you know, cause I work with a lot of millennials, like the age range I work with a lot is usually like mid millennial to moving into like the Gen X. Right. Yeah. That's kind of my kind of range. Um, it's the same as well. I mean, don't get wrong. People want to be paid what they're, you know, people want to be paid. Like they have to be paid. They want to be paid a fair wage. Valued, right? What the market is. But that's not what the questions they're asking. Like when COVID happened and everyone went back home, everyone really took it. Their, a lot of people looked at their life. And I, I think you can see it in the fact that there's been so many shifts in relationships. I mean, there's so much going on, right? You get on yeah. Facebook and you're like, okay, what's going on now? You know, but and this happened like with the job side too, because people went home and like started realizing that their mental health and their connection with their family and missing out on the baseball games, and missing out on these things time with their kids, that was lacking in their life. And they need that more in their life. I mean, I work with so many 
um, candidates. And that is the reason they've left. They're like, well, I really, you know, we, I was a good environment. I liked the job, I was paid well, but it didn't align with my, you know, my child's school schedule and they weren't flexible about that. And then, you know, we find them a company where there is flexibility, like not even a big flexibility. It's just, yeah, you can come an hour late early. Yeah, you can leave an hour early. It's just that simple of a flexibility piece, right? Um, yeah. And, and that's what people want. And people want to be part of something where the impact, the impact piece. Blueprint is something positive for our world because everybody knows that the way things are don't really working for people, right? So a lot of people want to be that change and they can see that in their work environment. It's not about being a family, it's about being a community. Let's be honest, right? Yeah. You're a community, you have different opinions, you have different belief systems, all those things. You grow up differently, but there's this ability when you're in that reality to be able to hopefully have like good relationships with people and like collaborate with people and build something that could impact our world in a better place. And I think that's what people are people. And that's like what you're talking about as well yeah. is that's what people want to feel when they walk into an organization, you know, or, or not everyone. that their work, their work has, their work has value, right? Like the, uh, it's, it's not, I'm not just trading my time for money. Because yeah. if I was just doing that, I could spend time at home with my kids and my family and the things that I really want to do. But if I, you know, I need to pay for my life, can I also, if I'm going to take time away from my kids, can I take time away from my kids and have it be an impactful part on the world, right? Yeah. I want to have both. And the reality is we can build companies that do that um, if we just started focusing on it, right? If we started thinking about that and, you know, it's, it's just, it's the next iteration of making, making, uh, making the world a better place is how do we make the workplace better? And so I really, I really yeah. like that. And I feel the same way. I mean, honestly, when I started this business, that was really the, the basis of where I was. It was that the way that I was doing it before on a contingent model, which I had done for so many years, didn't really align to my values anymore. Because for me, I'm not saying this is all about all recruiting, but there is a hustle. There is a little bit of a lack of, there can be a lack of transparency. There can be a little bit of, and I don't want to say this is the case with all, the costs associated with them. You know, it's there's it is it is very cost prohibitive for a lot of smaller businesses to spend twenty five thousand dollars on a placement, yeah. right? So when I created this business, it was really with the understanding of I wanted to offer something different for companies of how to hire, but really, I really do it from a, like a place where I want to change. Like I don't ghost people, I don't I don't not give candidates <laughs> feedback. I hold my clients accountable. Like if they I am very upfront with them when I bring them on as a client. I'm like, this is how it, we, this is the model. I need feedback within two or three days, or I put a hold on your position. Like I will stop. If I reach out to you, I haven't heard from you. I'm going to put a hold on your position because I'm not going to work on positions where I don't get feedback. I'm not going to do the, the ghosting thing. I'm not going to have a client that doesn't want to communicate. That's not, if that's what you want, then, you know, there's another models for that, but that's not what this model is. Right. So yeah, that's really cool. Um, so what I want to get into then is I want to get into your actual story, how you got here, oh, yeah. right here, or right. Every, every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them into the hero they are today. And I want to hear that story. Were you uh, born a hero or were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you get into recruiting? Right. Or did you start in a job and eventually move over to become an entrepreneur? Basically, where did you come from? Um, you know, it's so interesting because I, I've always like loved people. I'm like, I'm a huge lover of people. I'm, I'm interested in people. Like I want to know what their story is. I'm sure you're the same, right? Cause you do this podcast. Yeah. I'm interested. I want to know what people's stories are. Right. I want to understand 
who they are. I'm, I'm just, I've always been interested in that. So I've always been in sales. I did sales um, in college. I actually was, I did weight loss sales. I don't know. I weighed like 90 pounds, but they hired me to do weight loss sales. <laughs> I think now, because I'm that age now, and I think, God, I was so bad at that job. You know, but anyway. Um, but I, I mean, I liked it. I liked that service-based sales, right? I liked working with people. So then I did that for a number of years through college. And then out of college, I got a job um, working at Coors Brewing Company, which is so random. And I got a job doing um, marketing and things. I did that for a few years. And then I had, I had this guy call me up and he was a recruiter. And I said, what do you do? Like he was asking me questions about a job or something, some selling fax machines. Oh, anyway. And I was like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a recruiter. And I'm like, I want to do what you do. He was like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I want your job. I want to be a recruiter. So I just kind of threw it out there, right? And then like everything else, you kind of like just go on with your life. And then I um, had someone, one of my friends was working at a company and they had a assistant recruiting position, you know, of course, a medical recruiting position. It paid not a lot of money. It was a total grassroots, bare bottom, like training, like 200, 300, 400, 500 dials a day. I mean, they were watching your numbers. You were recording yourself on tape recorder, you're having to listen to yourself. I mean, it was legit, you know? And I did that for a long time. I did that for a number of years. Um, and then I dealt with something really hard in my own life. Um, I dealt with the loss of my first husband in my late 20s. So that kind of derailed my kind of life a little bit, you know? So I did, I yeah. took time off. But that experience, um, something like that, it kind of just changes you. You know, when you go through experiences that are challenging, right? And you kind of see who you're made of at that point. And so yeah. then I know I got remarried and my husband was like, how do you work for people? Like, why, why do you work for people? Like, you're making all these people money. Go like work for yourself. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so then I, I started working for myself and it, and it was fun, you know? And I, and I just brought in all these clients, these companies that I had worked with before. They just wanted to work with me, you know? So I started doing that in the oil and gas world. And then it, um, and then I ended up having the opportunity to, to staff this $150 million facility in Houston with like hundreds of people. And, wow. and I did that for a number of years and I made a lot of money, but it was unbelievably stressful. And I almost got divorced during it. It was, my daughter was really young at the time and it was just so much, I, you know, like you were talking about, you can't, there has to be a balance, right? The priority has to be the family. The priority has to be those places. And then everything comes from that. So the whole thing failed. <laughs> One year I was making, you know, $500,000. Next year, my husband's like, okay, we're going to have to figure this out. Like, what is this? You know? So that's what happened. Um, and that was, I don't know how many years ago that was. Like maybe nine years ago, nine, eight years ago. And then I took some break. I took kind of a break for recruiting for a little bit of like I need a little time um, and then I got I'd get back into contingent recruiting again and I started working with these partners but I just never like I started thinking I hate recruiting like I hate recruiting I hate recruiting I kept thinking I think I hate recruiting I have to find a new job so I started I went on some tangent of like you know I went through my own healing I mean I'm sure all of us have done a lot of us done the work and I you know having to go through all my stuff and kind of and then I was like I hate this like no I don't like this you know but then I had a client reach out to me during COVID and he just like was like, would you be interested in doing some contract work? And I was like, never done a contract. And I started doing a contract and I just loved it. 
It was just totally different. It wasn't I hated recruiting. I just hated the way it was. I was having to do it. We did the model. We hated every bit of it. I didn't like the lack of communication. I didn't like the fact that um, you just didn't have any skin in the game with the, you didn't have that relationship with the client, you know? But when someone's yeah. paying you, <laughs> they're just more motivated to talk to you and to communicate yep. with you. Right. And, and then I and then I did it and it was like really successful. And then I was like, well, let's do it again. And then, I don't know, a year later, here we are. And I brought on, I don't even know how, I, every, I swear I get new clients like all the time, but, but it's great. I love it. And we fired great people and people who, this was the job they were wanting. And they're like, oh my gosh. And then, and there's a lot of smaller companies we work with, just like under 50 people, a lot of them. And I work with the CEOs and the owners, and the leadership team, and then, and I help them with the whole process, like just start to finish. And I just love it. And it yeah. feels really good. And, and I just want to change, I'm like you, I want to change how hiring's done. I just feel like this could be a really sustainable model for people. Yeah. I love, I love that whole story. Cause it's a, it's a classic entrepreneurial story, right? You're all over the place. And then you realize that like, I can make this better, right? I can do this better. I can add value here that didn't exist before. And, and you can offer things to the market that weren't being offered before, right? There, there's a reason why you, you're seeing the success for it. And right, even just hearing you talk about it, I'm like, man, that's exactly what, like, I would never have considered a recruiter with the model that we've, you know, the, the other model, right? The right. $25,000 placement. I was like, I was like, I can't afford that. Um, and it's not, you know, and I can do a good job on my own. It doesn't cost me 25 grand to do the work. Right. But if um, it costs you a few thousand dollars, like other five, you're like, well, I just have someone else do it and I can work on other things. Just have to look up to it and I can work on other things. But for 25 yes. grand, that's yeah, yeah. And the risk <laughs> and the risk get it too, right? There's a lot of risk because they leave six months yeah. a year. And I'm not saying they're all, but they're 20 to 25% placement fees. I mean, my, you know, so my placement fees, even for just administrative people, they would run twelve, fifteen thousand $15,000, which if you're a bigger company, it's something you absorb fine. But if you're a smaller organization spending, a hundred thousand dollars in recruiting on four candidates in a year. Woo. That's a yeah, lot that's, of money. That's like a quarter of our income, right? Yes. <laughs> like we can't yes. afford that. <laughs> but this model allows like companies that are smaller, that are like smaller companies, but need to find good people and have the same expertise as, and honestly, I don't know how, you know, I don't want to, I'm, we're pretty good at what we do too. Cause we spend a lot of time with the candidates. We talk mm -hmm. to them. We spend the time like, you know, we're not just sticking something against a wall and hoping, but you know, and the thing is about the entrepreneur journey, like you said, it, it is like a lot of turns and it's painful. It's, it's falling down. It's a lot of, you know, but it's that's a, it's a risk reward game, right? Like you, this one of the things that, that I, I used to, when I was a younger entrepreneur, cause I've been doing this for a long time. I got into my first business when I was like 11 years old. Um, <laughs> and I used what to, was, what was your I, I, I convinced my father that, I can't remember if I was 11 or 13, but I convinced my father to give me a $50 loan on like a 10% repay back um, and take me to um, take me to a large, large box store and buy giant candy bars. And I had a whole backpack full of giant candy bars you couldn't on campus. And I was selling them at like 3x markup. Yeah. Um, and I made 1500 bucks in sales before I got shut down by the uh, um, by the, uh, the the campus authorities who were like, you yeah, can't have a business. That was so 16 or whatever. That's so awesome. I, um, my, I was an entrepreneur as well. Like I, <laughs> I must've been like six or seven, maybe eight. 
And I used to like go and we would get collect all the pine cones of the neighborhood. And I would knock on people's doors and try to sell them for like a penny, a pine cone. <laughs> Genius. But you know, but, and people were like, just take the pennies. I don't want the pine cones. But yeah, I mean, like I was the same. I've always been like very entrepreneur, you know, like always trying to figure out ways to add value and things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And there's just, there's just something too, like I used to think anyone can be an entrepreneur. And what I've realized is like, it's not anyone can be an entrepreneur. Not everyone can, can deal with that risk reward stuff. Um, but great entrepreneurs can come from anywhere, right? It's like a, the rat classic Ratatouille story on Disney, right? The, uh, anyone, anyone can be a, can, anyone can be an entrepreneur, but not, not just anyone can be an entrepreneur, right? You have to sort of be willing to have that crazy roller coaster ride in pursuit of how do I add value to the world? Uh, right. And yeah. that's what it is. That's what it comes down to. Cause it's really the money comes from everything else. So that's what I believe. And I truly believe that, right? I believe that when you're serving the world and I don't want to go into, I'm not a religious person, but when you're serving the world from your, from yourself, like what your real purpose is and whatever that gift is that you're supposed to give, right? Everything yeah. comes back in like unlimited amounts of abundance, whatever that looks like, you know, but in order to get there, you really have to go through the process. Like, cause if I hadn't gone through the failures and all the things like now I understand what my relationship and what needs, you know, I need to understand, I need to take steps to make sure that that doesn't just happen again. My husband and I can have open conversations about what happened last time. So that this yeah. time, you know, we've learned and we've grown, but we hadn't experienced that. Right. And we had to repair we that. We wouldn't know how to take on this now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so, so much to just the, the story of like how you get to where you are. I love, I love it. So my next, my next question for you then is your superpowers, right? Every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's a fancy flying suit, you know, made by their genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky or super strength. And the real world heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill that you were born with or a skill that you developed over the course of time that energizes all your other skills. And the way I like to frame it for my guests is if you look at all of your skills that you've developed over the course of your career, there's probably a common thread that ties all of them together. You're seeing this pop up over and over and over again. Anytime you're having successes, you're like, oh, that's part of my strength. What do you think with that framing your superpower is in your business? Um, I'm, I'm, I have a very strong ability to process information quickly. I can process information very quickly um, with my job specifically and with things as with people as well. Like I'm, I'm very intuitive in nature. And so I can like very much zone in, like if I'm looking through resumes and like I know exactly the types of candidates I'm looking for and those types of things, I can go through it really fast and process it quickly. And then I can, and I can remember very small details about things. I have this ability, I can't remember what I wore yesterday, but I can remember these very minute <laughs> details about people with birthdays or how many children they have or little things, details about them that cause I listen, I'm a very good listener. And so I can, I'm able to provide that information and it creates, you know what I think my superpower really is? I have an ability to be, for people to feel safe around. I'm very authentic. I'm very real. I'm very, like, there's no mask with me. And so people feel the same to be the same around me as well. Yeah. It gives people permission, right? Because that's one of the things my, my wife tells me um, and one of my best friends tell me, they're like, you who's trust and it's great. <laughs> and, and it's, it's that, it's just that authenticity that when you are just who you are and you're not wearing a mask and you're not, you're not wearing any, you know, any of the external things that keep people, you know, at a distance for safety, yeah. you know, that 
that people just have permission to take their own masks off and be themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a uh, that's a rare trait. <laughs> I would imagine. I would learn trait, or if it's trait. just something that I. I mean, I think you know you use it as a child because I think as children we do it because if we're in a situation where we you know don't feel emotionally supported, we do naturally become someone who becomes more intuitive of other people's emotions, right? And so I yeah. do think it can be a hindrance for us. Because I think as adults, what can happen is it can lead to people pleasing. And I think it can also make us so that we feel like we have to be responsible for everyone else in our lives. Yeah. And also that happens at work as well. So if someone else is in, you're uncomfortable to have conversations with your, with your bosses about, you know, you are deserving of a raise or what's the next step for them or there's an issue going on. There's almost this feeling of not wanting to rock the boat because there's this fear of what that would look like. So I do think when you're able to have more of an empowered place with it, where you don't, you set boundaries around that and you recognize that, then I think you can create that safety by not, like you said, looking from kind of a validation piece from an external place. Cause like, that's what ends up happening, right? We, we go into this people pleasing place where we want to get validation to feel good. Like, Oh, I did all these things for you. I did. I mean, I'm so good. Right. Like, cause that's what we did as kids. Right. And then, yeah. and then, but as adults, it doesn't work. It just, it was, it worked for us as kids because that was our safety place because that's how we had to create it. But as adults, we have to put those boundaries up and then we have to be empowered and we have to not, we have to be hold safety for people, but through our own self, not through someone else's yeah. place. And now a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now back to the hero show. That's one of my, uh, my favorite things about this show, right? If anytime you talk about superpower, the superpower is always one side of a coin and the other side of it is the uh, fatal block, right? Mm -hmm. You know, every superhero is kryptonite. And if your superpower is that ability to, to be authentic and to be the kind of person that everyone just shares their life stories with, the other side of that is, like you said, it's like that people pleasing and being, you know, and learning how to set your own boundaries there. So I guess my question for that um, is, is if you are, you know, for me, my, my fatal block, I'm a very systems oriented person. And like, I'm like, like, that's my superpower is like building and developing systems around everything that we do. But the flip side of that is perfectionism. 
right? And perfectionism keeps you from shipping. And if you don't ship, you don't have anything. So you've not done anything. You've got like, it's a really low bar to set for yourself yeah. is yeah. basically nothingness. Right. So, um, so I have to do things like, like give, like take the, the initial, what do you call it? Uh, like design portion. And like, once it's designed and done, I have to immediately hand it off to someone else who's going to finish and implement because like I get bored. I'll either get bored or I'll be like, I can tweak it forever and it'll never get shipped, never get put in place. Right. And so I have to have part of my process is to give it to someone else to finish, right? To, to push the publish button off. Right. <laughs> uh, and so if the flaw is that is, is uh, the people pleasing, how have you learned to overcome that and rectify it? So other people who might suffer from the same sort of fatal flaw can maybe learn from your experience there. Um, I mean, I'm a firm believer in mentors and coaches and therapists and all the things, space holders, whatever that feels to you. Like I'm a firm believer that everyone um, benefits from having people in your life who can hold space for you, especially if you're someone who's a big space holder for other people and safety, you need your own place to be able to, you know, um, have that space held. So I think that's number one for me. Like I worked with a lot of people that held space for me and I was able to kind of let go of that sort of place of what happens if I put that boundary up? Like what, you know, and they're like, okay, what does that, what does that look like? You know, and, and really yeah. be able to have that awareness that it even exists. I think number one, having this awareness and the way you know is if your life just feels like a series of obligations. If your life just feels like a checklist of obligations all the time, then it's that you're, because you're, you're giving so much of your energy away to, everyone else but yourself you're 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 pouring from this empty cup so i would yeah. say you know if you can find more things it sounds so simple but if you can do more of the things that you enjoy and even if you don't know what those things are because a lot of times we don't even know what they are you know because we get so programmed and doing things for other people so we do things that we think that we like but we're like no i don't actually like that so yeah taking the time to have to have that place where you kind of rediscover who you are because the trick, this is like the greatest love story. And it's so cheesy to say this, but the greatest love story you're ever going to have is with yourself. And the more that yeah. you understand yourself, the more awareness you have for yourself, the more that you don't have shame for the patterns that you've done the things you just give yourself <laughs> grace. And then you say, okay, well, I'm not going to do that again. You know, and I'm going to set this. And you start with little boundaries, right? You start with little boundaries. You don't have to like go to the big boundary with the person at work who like, talks your ear off and tells you all their marital issues and everything else and wastes your time for an hour. And you're like, I just want to get away from this. Oh yeah. my God, I don't even want to be your office, you know, or whatever's my, going on. But my, uh, you can set, you can I, set I my wife has got the same superpower that you do. And <laughs> I am, I'm the person that holds space for her. Right. So I'm, I'm that person you were talking about for yeah. her. And I remember earlier on in our marriage, realizing that about her, like it was something that I realized about her. And I was like, Oh, she needs that person to help her learn how to set healthy boundaries. She's gotten really good at it over the last 15 yeah. years. And, uh, but it started off with things like, like simple, simple things. Like you can choose how you want to do your hair. You don't have to do your hair the way your parents want it to be done. Right. right. Like you're an adult now. <laughs> and like simple things like that and, and stuff like, like, you know, where do you want to go for, for dinner? And she's like, wherever you want to go. I'm like, well, that's not, that, that's not what you want. Like, what do you want? Right. <laughs> and right. so like, just, Someone who, who is, who is looking out for your best interest. That's what you yeah. mean by some goals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my husband's gotten so good at that as well. Like he knows me so well. Like he's just like, you okay? 
you okay? You need like something like chocolate or you like, you need food, <laughs> you know, like it's always about food. I'm like, cook me something, you know? But yeah, I think, and that's a thing. Um, I mean, I think you're, whoever it is that space plays for you to let you to feel safe, you know, to be able to talk about those boundaries. It's scary putting in boundaries. It's uncomfortable because if you've never put boundaries in your life and you've always done other things for other people, then many, and especially take responsibility for everyone else's emotions. And that's just a control thing anyway, because you're just trying yeah. to control. Like, and when you get that, when you get that balance, right, when you know how to set your own boundaries, set your things, when you do show up for the people who need that, yeah. you can really knock it out of the park for them, yes. right? You can give them so much value and you can help them in such profound ways. Yeah. Um, and like, I just, I, I've only heard a little bit of your story, but if you're anything like my wife, I've seen her completely change someone's life in the course of an afternoon because of how she can hold space for people, right? Yeah. Because she has that superpower and it's, yeah. it's very cool. So to see it in someone who's a founder and who's doing something with their business and specifically in like recruiting, like who, who would have thought, but that's, yeah. I mean, it makes sense right? as a matchmaker doing what you're doing. Right? But isn't that what it is? <laughs> isn't that what it is? The shift is the superheroes, the stories need to show up in everyday life. Like not everyone can be a spiritual yeah. coach. Not everyone can teach meditation. Not everyone's going to be able to do breastwork. <laughs> I love all those things. I mean, don't get wrong. I have lots of friends that do all the spirit, you know, all those things and they're amazing and incredible, but like, chefs need to be it and people who superheroes need to be running organizations and companies and everyday things because that's really where the shift comes from right yeah that's why i run this show <laughs> so, so i want to uh, i want to talk to you then about your common enemy right every superhero has an arch nemesis it's a thing that they constantly have to fight against in their world and the world of business we generally put it in the context of your clients and it's a mindset or it's a flaw that you're constantly having to fight to overcome um, so you can actually get them the result that they came to you for. And for something like you, I would imagine it's probably in that world of like, hey, this is what people expect recruiting to be. And here's the new world you're trying to build. But what do you think your common enemy is in what you do? Honestly, I think it's the unicorn piece with clients. I think it's um, clients have this unicorn, not all, and I don't want to say all, but a lot of times what happens is when I first start working with a client, they've had a position open for a long time and they have this like, essentials list of three pages long and it's really not one job it's like four jobs and i'm like no this isn't one job right this is like two or three jobs i'm like so so i think that's number one is, is opening up their their idea to they all want they have this very specific limited sort of idea of what a perfect candidate looks like and a lot of it's from a skills perspective they the culture piece they oh yeah the culture piece but the culture piece like let's really talk about the culture piece like because the values piece of this person is so important so i think that's number one is like my arch and is the uniform but i think the second level of that is the employees that are high producers and are low value i think they're the most difficult types of people for organizations the ones that make a lot of money for your company but also are low value and a lot of times those are the ones with leadership roles and those leaders have limited views, right? Because they, again, they're not valuing the values piece. They only are valuing the person that can make a lot of money for the company. But it's yeah. more than that. It's, and it has to be, especially if you want to grow. And it's it's interesting. So like on your, on your first part, like the unicorn employee, I remember as a younger entrepreneur thinking that's what I needed. Right. I needed to find a unicorn. Right. I was like, I need someone who could do all these things. I need someone who could be me. And I'm like, that's, but that's not actually what I'm looking for. When people like 
CEOs are kind of a weird, you know, especially founder of CEOs, right? Like myself, we're, we're a weird bunch. We're like, we can do everything. Right. Um, that's because we have to, right? You have to learn <laughs> you have a little no bit choice. of everything. You have no choice. You just have to learn to do it all. So you're like, yes. when the people are like, you got to replace yourself in your business. So your first thought is, so I need to find someone else who's as crazy right. as I am, a little bit of everything. But they're not going to be you. Yeah, they're not going to be you. And so what, what I what I have learned, and hopefully this is the correct path, but <laughs> that we find people. So here's my 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 thoughts is values and communication. is like 80 percent. And skills is like 20 percent. Uh, and as long as they can do the work or the work that they need to be done can be trained, right. like the values and communication are the, the biggest things. And what I've been trying to work on is all of my staff now is and the way we've set, built our whole business now is single task, right? Like we have we have this role that does this one set of things that requires this one set of skills. And then you can hire based on communication and you can hire based on uh, on values. And then it's just it's like one set of skills that you're looking for, which makes finding people so much easier. Because you're like, I'm not looking for all these things. I'm looking for someone right. who can do this yeah. and do this really well. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think that, I think that, um, I, excuse me, I'm <laughs> but I think, I think the thing about the skills piece is it depends. I mean, if you're in a role where it's very, very technical and there are very specific, you know, things that like, I do a lot of work with construction, like, you know, you project manager construction, you do need to know how like pretty technical. Yeah, you need to know how to do it. Right. Yeah, you need to know how to do it. You need to know construction really well. You need to know how to work with vendors and you need to know budgets and those types of things. Yes. All those things are very, very important. But I think the limitation is believing that you have to find someone who has like, who comes from the exact same type of company that you come from versus someone who maybe doesn't have as much of one type of experience that can be trainable. What parts are really trainable? Because some of them are essential skills, but what parts of it, then the communication piece is so important. Like it is so important. I mean, how someone can even write an email, how do they speak to you? Because, you know, we're the first line of communication with candidates, right? So if a candidate's rude to us, dismissive towards us, doesn't follow up with us in any way, I'm like, no. And I tell my clients that as well. Like, I'm like, even if they have, like, every single checkbox, if they're showing up from that way, that's not someone you want. Yeah. Because that's going to show up anyway, even if they have all the skills. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Because it's, it's because so I've I have found I have found that like like we because we're, we're a podcasting agency, right? So we run we run podcasts for all the stuff. So we do like our, our major roles are all, you know, it's like design, audio editing, video editing, um, writing, project management. Um, so there's only like five or six skills that we're looking for. And we, we tend to silo those out of those skills. But like design, for instance, like I, they have to be able to be a good designer. Like the skill is a required part. That's like right. the foundation. But you can find a lot of really good designers, right? There, it's it's not like they're a dime or dozen or anything. But there's there's a lot of people who are really good designers. And what we're looking for is like, okay, you you're a good designer, that's that's the that's how you get in the door. And then it's like, then it the communication culture piece the, and the values, like that's what's going to decide whether or not you're going to be successful here, whether or not you're going to enjoy working for us, whether or not you're going to, um, you know, make it past the first couple of weeks, right? And that's where. Where like that's where you ha you have to focus on those things. That's why. So you know. <laughs> and also, I think there's another side to it. There's a responsibility piece on the employer that when you do onboard these people, these new employees, the onboarding piece is so important. The training, the again, it's the safety piece. 
Like they don't know you. They don't, they've never worked with you. There has to be that understanding that they're stepping into something completely new and, and, and there needs to be, the leadership needs to create that environment for them to feel safe and to show what growth opportunities might look like or what the next plans are. Then have a conversations like that as well. And, and also through training, you know, like deliberate training, not just, okay, well, I've got, I can squeeze you in for like a two hour place or whatever it is, you know, but like actual, a training plan. Really important. Yeah. That's actually, uh, it's, that's fun to hear. Cause my, uh, my, my ops person and I, on Monday, we had our ops meeting and we were putting together our list of like priorities and the, uh, I mentioned really, but our other priority on there was onboarding and offboarding and putting, uh, how we put the, the onboarding training together for each of the roles. And I was like, we don't have all of that yet. We have some of it. And like a lot of it just, again, cause we're still a young company. Yeah. I'm just doing it. Uh, yeah. right. <laughs> And so we're, uh, we're, we're like, we, that's sort of one of our next systems we're looking at is how do we take each one of these roles and build like our onboarding training. And so we built our first one, which is just our communication standards in the company. And it's like a small, a short little like set of, I think it's maybe like 20 minutes of things that go over all of our communication things. But it's like, I want to get systems for all of the things, like every, everything in there that's like training for the roles. Like, Hey, here's all of your expectations. Here's how they work. Here's how we work in our project management system. Here's how you work with the team. Here's how you're going to work with the clients that we work with. Um, and so it's not all in my head and right. it's part of like onboarding training. We need a blue, like, it's all like, it, it, it's just so funny. Cause this is what I'm working on my own business, this whole blueprint. Like, what is the magic, right? What does the magic yeah. look like? And what's the blueprint look like? And taking all the ideas and everything I do and putting it on paper and making sure it's like, like you talked about If I got hit by a bus, could someone else do it? <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I want to be able to create that, that place. So. So my next question for you then, if your common enemy is what you fight against, the flip side of that coin is what you fight for, right? Your driving force. And, you know, just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. What is it that you fight for? What's your mission in your your uh, your business? Um, I just, I think my mission is to create, um, I mean, it's so cheesy, but I really want to create a better dynamic. <laughs> I really believe yeah. in that. And I believe that um, everything my influence in doing that is my ability to help people, companies like owners and leadership teams have more, a better life really, because they have someone else helping them with this process and they can go home and they can breathe at the end of the day and they can actually like have the time to spend with their family and they're not worried about all these things. And on the flip side of that, on the candidate side, it's the same thing. I want to put people in good organizations that have the right values and they have the right growth and are on the right, taking the bus the right way. And I want to bring the people that, that are just like that, that want that and are like, that's where they're supposed to be. And I want to bring them there as well. Cause I want to create that value for them because it just, all of it is just, it feels, it really feels good to help people. You know, because work is so important. What we do is so important. We're there a lot. It affects our mental health. It affects everything. And so being yeah. able to create an environment or a way of doing it that's very seamless and easy and very honest and just up front, it just, um, it's just something that I feel like is needed in our world, honestly. So, so here's my, I'm going to switch on encouragement mode here for a minute instead of podcaster mode. Own that. Own that. It's not cheesy and it's something that like, you, right. It's, it's something that we need more of, right. We need more of that mentality. We need, we need to see 
the better models succeed. Yeah. So, so own it and step into it and, and, and just own that superpower. Right. And, and my, my, my other encouragement on that is, is name it, right? Like that you have, you have like these set of values, name it, right? Like I've got my, my, my sort of my beginning one here with this family person entrepreneurship, right? Name, name your, your methodology and then own it and be like, this is the value I'm bringing to the world. And I'm going to make your life better. And I'm going to make the employees' lives better. And you're going to make a dent, right? You're going to make a dent. And, um, that's, you know, that's what we're doing this for. Well, I appreciate your support. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that is what it is, right? I just want to create, I want to create a model that is new and different. And that is honestly just, um, better more aligned to yeah, it's better way you know that's it so i was i was just talking about this with my son the other day and i think you'll probably appreciate this right because you, your daughter's like 11 years old you know they get to, they get to that age like right after 10 11 where you can start having like real conversations with them like adult conversations because they can keep up right they can like hold the uh, the stuff in their head and we were talking and i was like i was like listen i'm always going to be a little bit jealous of you and he was like because we were talking about something, I, I think windsurfing, because we're learning to windsurf together. Uh, and he's 13 and he's learning to windsurf, which is like, I've wanted to do my whole life, but I've only just gotten to be able to the point where I can do it at like 40. Yeah. I'm like, but, you know, but he's getting to do it at 13, which means he'll have his whole life to get good at it. I'll never have that opportunity. And that's just one of many things that like our whole life and our whole job as parents is how do we put them in so much further forward of a place than we started? Right. That's what my parents did for me. Right. And I look at like everything that they started with and all the things that I've gotten to do that they've never got to do because of how much they put in front of they, how, how much yeah. effort they put to make my world better. Yeah. And I was like, that's just a small little microcosm. But the, uh, you're, what you're doing in your business is the same thing. You're like, listen, we're going to elevate this conversation. We're going to shift the world. We're going to make it a better place. And it makes, it makes it better for everyone. Right. It makes the, the whole world, especially when the models are successful because other people start looking and go, you know, I like this. I want more of this. Yeah. Um, and it threats. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, and, and it's so true though. I mean, you know, you, you do as parents, you want to create these experiences for your kids that maybe you didn't have so that they can, you know, so they can have those experiences, you know, and they can, and they can grow and learn and, and have the opportunity like at 13 something that you wanted to do at 40. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, think yeah, and I just, I just love I that mean, sort of parallel. And I'm really direct with candidates too. Like I'm really direct with them. I, I mean, like I had a candidate recently and I was like, look, I really like you, but you're very negative. Like every, and I know you're frustrated because you're looking for a job and this is a really frustrating time, but I want to, and I asked them, I feel like, can I be honest with you? <laughs> and like, yes. And I'm like, here's, you have great experience. I can tell you're really struggling. I know you're really having a hard time with this, but every time you're talking about a company and you're not taking responsibility for any part of it as to why it didn't work out, that's showing something. So it needs to be a conversation with yourself on understanding, like I understand you're really frustrated and you, you didn't have the best experience here, but you don't want to bring that frustration when you're talking to other companies because you're a great candidate yeah. and you have a great experience. And I know that she started crying. It's been so hard, you know. And I was like, no, I get it, you know. And she was like, well, I appreciate you being honest with me. I said, practice. And I told, you know, and I, so I didn't try to like give kind of my two cents for what it's worth, you know. Because <laughs> I want, I, 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 I mean, 
people deserve to be in good jobs with companies that like care about them and value them and pay them well. Like they deserve that. Like people settle for so much less than what they're deserving. And there's a lot of us, right? There's a lot of good companies that will pay you well and will value you. People just don't realize they exist. That's the thing. Like all the companies I'm working with are such great companies. They're all very positive based, growth oriented, um, you know, but people don't know they exist. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to move on. I got a couple more questions for you. This so, one is my, uh, my, my practical, practical question. I call it my hero's tool belt. Right? And just like every superhero has like their awesome gadgets like batarangs or web slingers or laser eyes or, you know, their big magical hammer. Um, I'm going to talk about the top one or maybe two tools you couldn't live without in your business. Could be anything like your notepad, your calendar, marketing tools, something you use to actually do what you do. What's something that you think is essential to getting your job done as a recruiter? My phone. <laughs> I could not do my job without my phone. Um, it would just not work because at the end of the day, the email text messaging thing, you have to pick up the phone out conversation. Number two, I think LinkedIn, probably LinkedIn and Indeed. Like Indeed is a real, I know people hate Indeed and they say bad things, but it really is a great place. It's to a great resource. But you really have to understand how it works and you have to keep an eye on it because they'll try to charge you like a million dollars, you know, if you don't pay attention to that post for, you know, if you're yeah. like, this but i think you know i think that um honestly i think the i think the phone is like the most i don't think there's so here's my question has the phone shifted at all to be more video chat stuff like facetime zoom stuff like this or is it still phone call right and i wouldn't use the old version of phone call because now it's like this right (laughs) but um (laughs) You know, I, I do do like Zooms and, and those types of things, but I, I don't know what other recruiters do. I'm pretty old fashioned. I'm just a very, like, let's get on the phone, have a conversation. Not some formal thing. Let's pick up the phone. Hi, how are you? Let's have a conversation. Sometimes the next interview, I'll do like a video, or if my clients want a video piece, we can do that as well. And I know yeah, a lot I was of just aren't shifted. To that. But the challenge with it is, is people are working. So if someone's working yeah. and, and they're busy, like they're at work, they have families, they did apply for your job. Like, like, okay, I need you to stop everything you're doing. I need to set up the Zoom call. I need you to get away. I need you to have this 30 minute Zoom call with me and just for the preliminary thing and then all this other stuff. So I, it sounds like a lot of hassle for me, to be honest, for yeah. the candidates. Seems like it would just be easier just to call them and be like, okay, well, here's the job. Tell me what you do. This is who it is. And I'm real honest with candidates too. I'm like, what are you looking for? And they're like, okay, well, I'm like, well, it doesn't pay that, <laughs> you know? And they're like, okay, well, and I'm like, I don't think it's the right match, you know, or I think this, you know, whatever it might be. I'm very specific about it and I'm very honest with them. The culture yeah, is, sense. you know? I think it's interesting that uh, nowadays the phone is still, um, still such a powerful tool, right? And I, you know, I've, I've shifted a lot of our stuff where we do to, to video calls, but still like I've, I've got a, I've been surprised by the number of people who are like, listen, the best, best tool ever is my phone. It's yeah. either one of two things, phone or calendar. Those are like yeah. the two big ones. Oh yeah. I need my calendar too. So you can add that because if I didn't have my calendar, <laughs> you know, that's no idea. like without the calendar, I know, uh, I know my calendar, I'm like, okay, this is what I have my way on today. Like I have no idea. <laughs> it's funny. Um, my, uh, my, a number of years ago, she was like, 
she tried to, I don't remember what we were talking about, but I was like, listen, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. And she was like, you just operate your life out your calendar. I'm like, a hundred percent. Like, yeah. it's not on my calendar. It does not exist. Well, she was like, that's the calendar calendar restricted. I know. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, again, I'm pretty old school. I mean, I use all the technologies and stuff, but I think people have asked me, like, what about the AI thing? And what about the fact they're bringing in AI for the hiring process? Like, you know, there's companies that are using AI to do, like, automated interviews on the phone and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, AI is not a person. I mean, I yeah. think it's Util I think you can utilize it for from a sourcing perspective. I used one. I didn't have much success with it. I spent a good amount of money. I wanted to use it out. I wanted to see what the whole thing looked like from sourcing candidates, right? Like, okay, they say, oh, they can get you know, the level of candidates. We're not even halfway the level of what I what we present. Yeah, we we have all this stuff going with AI. We do a lot of AI work with our company, and wow. I've we've realized we've realized I've I've realized something really important. The AI is not human, which is, we all know that. But so the, the important part for that is, is what are humans uniquely good at and what are robots uniquely good at, right? And, and when you marry those two things together, that's where you get the superpowers. Yeah. And so humans are really good at creativity and learning and community and culture and values, right? Those are things that are all like uniquely human. And robots are really good at like structure and holding lots of data in their head at one time. And you know, the, uh, to use a really technical term, irreducibly complex computation, right? Like those are things that, uh, <laughs> that humans aren't good at. Yeah. And so, so we looked at things, we're like, okay, how do we take human beings who have these set of skills um, for our agency, a lot of it's creativity, and right. make their creativity faster and better and stronger right. while using AI, instead of right. trying to replace humans with AI, yeah. we're able to make humans superhumans with AI. It's exactly what I do too. I use the AI a lot with, sourcing with like indeed and different sites to go out and find things I and mean, i use it but at the end of the day the conversation still is a human we're creating one yeah, of those things it's like matchmaking you know I mean, like you're not dealing with um a service right you're not selling a product you're not selling anything you're selling it i mean not it's selling, you know, you're marrying two people so it's it yeah. is like a totally i was i can't really think of another industry that's very similar to it like bringing two people together and like bringing them together or maybe a matchmaker if they're like, yeah. you know, it's kind of the same idea a little bit, you know, but it's sort of that yeah. same idea. Different, different outcome, right? Instead of, instead of lovers, you got employers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. kind of but it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, so I got to I got one more question for you, and that's on your your guiding principles, right? One of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. For instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He, uh, he only ever brings them to Arkham Asylum. So as we uh, wrap up this interview, I want to talk about the top one, maybe two principles that you live your life by. Maybe something you wish you knew when you first started out on your own hero's journey. Um, I just always do the right thing for my clients and my canons. If I said I'm going to do something, I do it, you know, and I take responsibility. If I make a mistake, I forget to call someone, I break an invitation or I send an invoice wrong or all the multiple things that I've done, you know, or something gets messed up or I send the wrong person for an interview, which that is happens well. I don't, I just take responsibility and say sorry and I, I learn from it. That's really that simple. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I love that. And, and you probably won't be, be surprised to know this because you work in entrepreneurial circles, um, but that answer integrity, some form of integrity has been the number one response to that question 
um, like 99% of the people that I, I ask that question for this on this podcast re- respond with some version of, of integrity. And it, it strikes me because one of the things that I started this podcast for was that cultural shift of, you know, our culture looks at entrepreneurship as villains, right? Right. It's always, you know, every story you read on, on you know, see on television or uh, read in books or watch on the children's TV show, it's always some variation of entrepreneur spills oil on ducks for money, right? <laughs> which is which is true right you see it in the movies and you're like you know, like i remember like the last suits and like the slick tack hair and it's like yeah and, he's like, and you're like this is not entrepreneurship that's not what it is and let's just talk was it uh the movie that came out last year free guy which was ryan reynolds he's like uh and it, it was it was wonderful um, it was a great story but the the crunch point of the story was was entrepreneur kills life for money right like that was the like that that was the 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 villain was entrepreneur is bad guy because he's trying to do this thing for money you're like it's just not it's not reality in the real world uh entrepreneurs are driven by integrity and driven by value and driven by this equal exchange of value with each other and so i just love to hear that um and to see it you know continue to be confirmed with everyone we we talk to on the show so anyways i appreciate that yeah so that is basically a wrap on our interview, but I do finish every interview with something I uh, call the hero's challenge. Um, and I do this to help get access to stories that we might not otherwise get on our own because, you know, not everyone's out doing the podcast rounds like you and I might do. Um, so the question is simple. Do you have someone in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with us here on the hero show? Oh, I don't know. I do. I do have a really, I have a, uh, I don't know. I would have to like, I do have some friends who have some really interesting backgrounds, but I don't know if I would want, like, I'd have to ask them before. Like, again, <laughs> well, very like, we can, yeah. we can see if, uh, if they're, if they're interested, maybe make an introduction after the show. We always get some yeah. good, uh, yeah, I do um, have, so. I do, I do have some friends that do some, that have some really incredible stories and have been through a lot of things that are definitely entrepreneurs. So I'll definitely think about some people coming on the spot there. I'll have to think about it. So, <laughs> um, in comic books, there's always the, uh, the the crowd of people who are cheering and clapping for the acts of heroism. Um, so we're analogous to that as we close is where can people find you if they want your help? Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, Suman, I would love to get your help recruiting for my business. Um, and I think more importantly than where is who are the types of people to reach out? Um, I, I think if you are a smaller business and you have less than, you know, 200 people, and you have a small HR team, maybe you're an HR team, maybe there's no one, um, and you're really struggling to find good people and you're growing and you're expanding and you don't have the time to do it. Um, whether, and we do a lot of work in, right now we're doing a lot of work in construction and honestly construction of any level, residential, commercial, new home builders, multifamily, luxury, hotels, like all of it, GCs, everything. Um, if you're looking for project managers, superintendents, any type of estimators like we have a huge network and we do it all over the country we also working with high-end landscape uh, installation companies as well so yeah so that's that's our clients or you know if you if you're just someone who wants to talk and you like want some ideas like a company or something and if you're a candidate um and you you know have you know looking for a new position and you're in construction or anything like that you know please send me your resume as well because i have new positions all the time um, you can find me on my website. It's Suman. Oh, sorry. It's CherryTalentGroup.com. CherryTalentGroup. 
gmail.com. Um, I'm all over LinkedIn, Sue and Cherry. You can find me. Um, you can email me. It's really easy. It's Suman at cherrytalentgroup.com. So. Yeah. Awesome. You can Google so, place. If you're in that space um, where you're either looking to hire or you're looking for you know to get hired, I would definitely recommend reaching out to uh, to Sigmund. Obviously, you got to hear a lot of her story here today and just the kind of values that she wants to put forth into the world. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, and Sigmund, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us here today. I really I enjoyed getting to hear your side of the story, seeing what you're doing in recruiting and seeing that there are new models of people trying to shift that. So that's uh, that's really fascinating. And I appreciate it. Do you have any uh, final words of wisdom for our audience before I hit this uh, stop record button? I would just say that, you know, I think the the key, and you probably understand this as well, is that you have to do things before you're ready a lot of times because, you know, hiring is one of those things. You don't want to be put in a situation where you, if you have the opportunity to start looking for someone before you're ready, it's always optimal time to do it because you don't want people in your organization to get burnt out or taking on a lot of other responsibilities. And it puts you in a very scarce place where you're just having to make kind of more desperate based decisions when you're hiring. People. Yeah. So I would definitely say like you have to hire before you're ready. My, uh, um, I agree with that completely because I've made that other mistake where you hire after you're ready. Um, and my new rule of thumb is 80% of capacity yeah. for our, our output. We start the hiring process. Yeah. Uh, so, and I try to keep all of my staff at 80% capacity or lower because um, they need the free time to think and to move and to just be human. <laughs> yes. um, and yeah. like, and so if you're running someone at 100% capacity all the time, they're not going to be putting in their best work. Yeah. And you're always sort of like struggling um, as a business to, you know, just get people in right on, right on time. And so we try to keep everything at that 80% capacity. So I agree with that completely spoken from experience. Well, I mean, it sounds like you guys really, it sounds like what you're doing with the company, like, this is, you've done, put some really impactful things and you're doing it. I mean, just having this conversation with you, I can see that you're really doing it the way that really is going to create a lot of value for your company and your people as well and your growth. So I really think. I certainly hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazing Uh, for sure. Thank you very much. And thank you for coming on the show today for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Hero Show, where we work to shift the cultural narrative around entrepreneurship and celebrate the heropreneurs who make our world a better place. Don't forget to visit our website at theheroshow.tv, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. If you found value in our show, we truly appreciate a rating on iTunes, or better yet, Share it with a friend to help us spread the message of entrepreneurship as a force for good. Curious to learn more about the stories and insights of these incredible heropreneurs? Check out our in-depth interviews and resources on our website. Together, let's support and inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs as they embark on their own heroic journeys. Join us again next week for another episode of The Hero Show where we'll continue to explore the world of heropreneurs, their superpowers, and the positive impact they bring to our lives. Until then, stay heroic.